Hi, BT Focus listeners. We got a great episode today on one of my favorite topics, which is natural environment teaching, where we learn about how are the ways we can use our learners' natural environments and the things that they are naturally drawn to and motivated by to contrive and capture really highly effective teaching opportunities. Uh, we have a great conversation with Ian McGarvey. We had so much fun as we always do. Uh, we've broken this up into two parts. So part one, you're going to learn about what are the benefits of NET? What are some common steps that go into setting up a natural environment teaching program? And then in part two, we talk about some really relevant takeaways, um, really relevant applications, and some pretty fun challenges for you to try in your own practice as well. And with that, enjoy our conversation. Welcome to the BT Focus podcast dedicated to the behavior technician experience and the delivery of ABA services. So now that we've arranged the environment, we have identified reinforcers, we are waiting for that learner to initiate, what follows is very consistent with DTT, right? If the learner responds correctly, we're going to provide reinforcement. If the learner makes an error or doesn't respond, certainly we'll note that and provide prompting if needed, right? Um, the key within NET is that the learner is engaged and is initiating. Um, then with any prompting strategy, the goal would be to fade that over time. So again, very consistent parallels between this and DTT. Um, you will always be thinking ahead, hopefully, over time when you're when you're engaging in these natural environment training sessions where, all right, what's the next relevant target that we're working on that I can work into this setting when they're playing with another child, when they're, you know, um, you know, away from the table and they're engaged at the playroom, gross motor room, what have you. So um, those are just a really few helpful tips. Ian, any other final pro tips with respect to NET? I'm going to hold off until we get into what I believe is going to be the next point, and that's going to be incidental teaching. Yeah. Well, how about, you know what? Take it away. Let's, let's, I'm going to let you do that segue. Absolutely. So in, in teaching the, uh, uh, a portion of teaching that falls under natural environment teaching is what we call incidental teaching. And it, it kind of goes along with some of the examples we're already giving where we use a child's motivation to either contrive or capture a situation that involves the child being able to advocate for themselves for something that they're motivated for. So classic example, like you gave earlier and in, in regards to, you know, contriving is we know kids motivated for something, put it out of reach, maybe out of sight so that the child then has to request for it and not get free access to it. And a point I'm going to segue out of my segue and say is this shouldn't just occur during natural environment teaching. This should be occurring all the time. Mm -hmm. um, when we are really trying to focus on increasing a child's manning repertoire, there should be no free access to any reinforcers. Just because a child's in a, you know, again, that term break from work doesn't mean free for all. It just means that we're not placing learning demands that are in the program on the child during that period. And, and so if a child bounces from reinforcer to reinforcer to reinforcer, those are all learning opportunities. Again, learning doesn't turn off. Practice doesn't turn off when we leave the table. 
Um, and so just something to, to, to bring up there that kind of goes along with what we're, we're talking about. But when we're talking more specifically about natural environment, again, a really good behavior technician is able to find ways to not only contrive, but capture motivation in these moments where the child is motivated and it's not in our programming of, oh, this is something we're supposed to be teaching. One of the the ways that I notice that we lose opportunities in teaching is when a child enters a situation where there's a need for the child to be met. And rather than let a motivating operation build, let, let motivation for the child build for whatever that need is and turn it into a teaching moment, we often see behavior technicians just kind of give in, if you will. And I'm going to give some examples. Biggest example that I see is when a child needs help with something. So let's say, for example, you are, um, your, your child has a reinforcer that's like maybe a board game that's in their hands and they're walking with it in both of their hands and they're walking up and there's a door and the door is closed. So the child gets to the door and what we naturally see a behavior technician do is, is say, Oh, Oh, you, you can't open that. Let me get that for you and open the door. Yeah. Well, and, and it's a common thing with children with special needs that, we we see people not not just within you know our field our behavior technicians and us as BCBAs, but in general we're 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 a community of people that want to help each other and so it's in our innate um it's in our it's hopefully inside of us to when see someone's in distress to just jump in and help sure and I would- so I don't want anyone listening to think that they're doing anything wrong necessarily by doing that because you're you're helping someone and you're helping a child but. At the same token, this is an opportunity where we can teach the child to advocate for themselves when they're in a similar situation and there isn't someone right next to them who knows they need that door opened. Yeah. I just, just to jump in real quick, you're spot on, Ian. Like, what we are recognizing is a natural human tendency to, in those moments, to yeah. be the helper, right? Yeah. Um, but as behavior technicians, we can look at situations from a slightly different lens, being how can I use a situation with the necessary guidance to turn it into a teaching opportunity, right? To set up that child for even greater success yep. later in life, right? And it's going to feel kind of awkward. <laughs> it, it really is. It's going to feel kind of awkward. Another example I had the other day at my center. So at, at our center, there's, you know, there's a kitchen area for people to microwave food and we've got a drawer with, <clears throat> excuse me, we've got a drawer with, uh, plates and, you know, plastic silverware. And here's a moment where I was guilty of missing out on a captured, uh, you know, incidental teaching moment where I was standing in front of the microwave blocking the, uh, the plates and the forks and knives and noticed a BT and a, a client walking up to the, the area. And rather than staying there and seeing if the client was going to need something out of the drawer again, just out of what we do, I stepped out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Another example that happens actually frequently in the center that I'm much better now about uh, maintaining that I have in the past, you're walking or you're standing in a hallway talking to somebody and a client and a BT are walking up. Perfect opportunity for the child for you to man, to step out of the way, say, excuse me, you know, et cetera. But again, our natural tendency is you're going to step out of the way because you're just being polite. But yeah. again, natural teaching opportunities stay there and make the child advocate for themselves. Absolutely. 
what we are not saying is stop being polite. <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't, don't do say, that, that's please. Not no, continue to be your graceful, polite, respectful selves. However, sometimes those just we're talking about is like momentary pauses too, right? Before you hop in to support, give that child that opportunity. Let that what we call that establishing operation yeah. take into effect. That motivation build, right? Yep. That desire for the child to then make a communication response. At which point, then we yes, we reinforce that richly, provide necessary access to whatever that item or activity might be. So, yep. I guess maybe more of the precise takeaway is, um, be very deliberate in your actions. And sometimes, the power of a subtle pause is all that needs to occur to contrive a teaching opportunity. Brian, that's just it's such a good point, and I'm gonna keep going with it. So, you know. Obviously, one of the things that we coach during discrete trial training is errorless teaching, where, you know, we provide a task demand, a cue, and we immediately prompt to avoid the child making an error. In, in the situation of incidental teaching or ma- in teaching mans, mans should fall under the control of motivation, right? We request for things because we want them. Yeah. It's not very beneficial to try and teach children to ask for things if they're not motivated. So again, in the moment of going back to the child who needs to open the door, right? Uh, Again, an example that kind of is a little flawed would be same situation, but rather than open the door for the child, before the child can even get to the door to stop, even realize that their hands are full and can't open the door of you prompting, say, I need like open door, please, or whatever your man would be. Because again, we've not let that establishing operation build itself first. Exactly. So, so again, with that pause, some things that you can look at are, is the child displaying maybe some behavior that notifies you that the wheels are turning in their brain that, oh, like, I don't know what to do here. So again, the situation of the kid opening the door, kids going to probably walk up to the door and, and, and here's something else that can happen. There are also often times where we have incidental teaching moments or what we think are incidental teaching moments. And the client surprises us and accomplishes it without having to ask. Yeah. So for example, kid with the board game, we think the kid's going to need help. So we're like, Oh, I'm going to sit back, see if we can get the kid to man. Next thing you know, kid puts the board game down, opens the door. And we're like, Okay, cool. You, problem solving. Like, great. That's fantastic. A great yeah. skill to have. But if not, the kid's going to get to the door. They're going to look at their board game. They're going to look at the door. And a very well-paired client in tech, the client's probably going to look at their BT like, hey, man, you going to open the door for me? And then you're like, boom, say open door, please. So that subtle pause, like you're saying, can be the difference between there being no motivation and that man just kind of being another thing that you've prompted them to say versus it being paired with a higher level of motivation that's going to make that connection. Absolutely. It's, it's the learning is motivated by the environment itself and not the therapist prompt or instruction. So that's great. So I think this is an awesome conversation, Ian. Um, I think it's one that's certainly needed within the field. And I, and I think that it's an, an absolute differentiator uh, when it comes to seeing generalized responding for our clients in the real world, which is what we are trying to set them up for. We are trying to set them up for success in life. And so providing them with these rich teaching opportunities in multiple environments driven by their own motivation, I think is a critical piece. So before we end, I, I want to maybe impart a, a bit of a challenge or an opportunity for our listeners. So BTs who are listening, maybe a good takeaway is sometime this week, take a look at your behavior intervention plan and start to think, what are targets that can be taught 
and be and be and be reinforced within that natural environment. So if you're working on a you know a, a labeling program, identifying colors, identifying shapes, all right. Well, let's look to see over the course of next week where can we capture those teaching opportunities. In, a, in different settings, right? Talk to your clinical supervisor, look at your skill acquisition plan and just reflect. Like say, Ian, the world is our classroom, right? So we're not confined to just working at a table setting. There's there's learning opportunities to be had everywhere. So um, I think this is a clear differentiator of a really advanced skill that once learned, you can't unlearn it, right? Yeah. And, and, and then, so Brian's given his suggestion of homework for it to take away. And I'm going to circle back to, you know, the two th- main things that I think I've been hitting on. So the first one, again, next time your kid's in reinforcement, look at the reinforcers that they're interacting with. Think to yourself, what are the questions that I can ask where that revolve around this reinforcer that, you know, can, can be asked. So again, feature function and class features, what color, what size, what shape, function. What's it for? What do we use it for? And class, what's it similar to? Is it a toy? Is it a car? Is it a vehicle? You know, what, what kind of categories does it fall under, if you will? Um, and then secondly, again, when you're in situations where uh, a child is going to need help with something or need something accomplished with the, the, uh, the help of another person, use those situations as teaching moments. Um, you have no idea what dividends that will be for that learner by just furthering and reinforcing their ability to advocate for themselves when it's absolutely necessary. Well said. Well, you know, I think that's a great word to end this episode on, Ian. As always, it was a pleasure. Um, let's get ready for football season. Let's uh, let's enjoy these last couple weeks of summer. Um, and for all of those of you who are listening. Thank you. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, Brian. Thank you for joining us for this week's two-part natural environment teaching episodes of the BT Focus podcast. Be sure to join us next week. We've got some great upcoming Day in the Life series episodes to share with you all. Just some incredible conversations by some of the most remarkable staff that we're so fortunate to work with. And I'm so excited to share their stories with all you. With that, we'll see you next time.